This is Honest Math Chat, an elementary teacher podcast. Today is episode number five, titled Math Classroom Community, Three Things You Do in Reading That You Can Use in Math. Today, we are going to chat about why our reading classroom communities are successful and how we can bring some of that energy to math. I'm going to share with you three ways that you can mirror your math classroom community after a reading classroom community. And don't worry, if you've never taught reading, I'm going to walk you step by step through it. So let's go. Math classroom culture, math mindset, and student-centered instructional practices are just a few of the topics that we will cover on the Honest Math Chat, an elementary teacher podcast. We will feature practical ideas from teachers for all teachers. See, this podcast is all about helping you create a classroom where students are empowered to love and deeply understand math. If you want the math classroom of your dreams, or let's face it, maybe you've never dreamed about math because it's not your thing, come alongside as I, a former math hater turned math teacher cheerleader, show you how you can transform your elementary classroom. From just getting through the math lesson each day to making math your favorite part of the day and your students' favorite part. Let's get this honest chat started, shall we? Create a math classroom community that mirrors the community you build for your readers and writers. For years, we've heard experts talk about how we must create a magical place for students to develop real relationships with literacy like real-world relationships with books and reading, right? So we make sure that our libraries are accessible to all of our learners. We give them a variety of books. We support all the needs of our readers and their interests. We can do that in math. We create welcoming spaces that practically put a spell on kids by making them want to read. We have these cute little reading areas and magical reading tents and comfy pillows. We make students feel like readers by giving them real books, real places to read, and real reasons to read. And we can also do this in math. We develop relationships with our students as readers. We see them as readers, even if they don't see themselves as readers. We know their strengths, we know their growth areas, we know their confidence areas, and we know what they're lacking confidence in as readers. We even know what they like to read, and we have detailed plans about what the progression of reading skills is that we plan on nudging them along. We can do this for math too. So let's break this down. Okay, number one, we create an accessible space in reading, so let's do that in math too. Consider for a minute your math materials. Are they accessible for your students to use and get when they feel like they might have a need for them? So standards for mathematical practice, number four is modeling with math, and number five is using appropriate tools strategically. 
both of these tell us that it is key that we help our students use the resources that are available to them to show their mathematical thinking, to model their thinking. So 10 years ago, back when I was teaching, well, I don't know if I would call it teaching, back when I was trudging through my curriculum and just counting the seconds until the math time was over. So 10 years ago, I had my math manipulatives neatly organized into bins and labeled. I lined the labeled bins up in my closet all the way up in the top shelf, right? And when we got to the place value unit, I pulled down the place value blocks and handed them out with the laminated place value charts. And when we were finished, I packed it all back up in the neat little box, put the lid on and put it back on the top shelf. The next unit was fractions, so down came the fraction strips. And when that unit was over, I packed it back up and put it on the shelf. I felt like I had reached teacher productivity goals. Then I learned about student-centered classrooms and I discovered that I could actually teach my students to think critically and be independent in their problem solving. And I found that there was much more value in teaching my students how to recognize when they needed a tool and how to go and get it for themselves than walking them through Here's the tool, here's what we do, here's how we do it, and essentially taking all the thinking out of it. Not to mention that I was holding those math manipulatives hostage when we all know that there's plenty of problems that could require a place value chart or other manipulatives. So math practice standard number five says that we should use tools strategically. It actually states proficient students are sufficiently familiar with tools appropriate for their grade. And it goes on to say, to make sound decisions when each of these tools might be helpful, recognizing both the insight to be gained and their limitations. So just like we create an accessible library, where our students can pick and choose their just right books that fit their level and interest and that they feel empowered to read. Let's do that in our math classrooms, right? Put your math tools in a place where students can access them. Teach your students how to use the tools, model how to clean them up, how to use them appropriately. Talk about how they're tools, not toys. Talk about which tools we should be extra careful with, which tools might be more useful in certain situations. Ask your students to demonstrate how they use their tool to solve in a certain problem. Celebrate when students strategically choose a tool. So then spend a whole discourse, maybe like 15 minutes, that's what it would be in my class, where We'd talk about that student that solved using base 10 blocks and why it worked and why it was a great tool. And then we'd spend time talking about how that tool may have been limiting, maybe inefficient because it took a lot of time to model the problem and they might not have gotten a chance to get to the solution. Maybe it was loud 
right? Maybe they ran out of blocks. There could be a lot of reasons why a tool is limiting. And when we spend the time to do that, we're telling our students, I'm not just interested in you being able to know how to use this tool, but I want you to be able to know how to use tools to be a mathematician. So that's one way we can create a classroom community that mirrors our reading classroom communities. We can make our math space accessible. So number two is to create a magical place to do math. Give your students real reasons to do math. So you put a lot of effort into creating spaces where your students want to read and write, I bet. I mean, I do. My writing paper is themed for the unit that we're doing, maybe for the season. There's beanbag chairs. I bet you even hung some lights over your library or you spent time labeling the bins so that students could find their favorite type of book. Nothing has to be cute to help your students learn. Let's just be real about that for a second. But magic works to excite kids. So let's do that for math. Let's make math materials, spaces, walls. Let's make it enticing because we want our students to love and be excited about math. Then we have to make sure that our spaces are welcoming and safe. We have to make sure that our students have a safe way to participate in math where they know that mistakes are okay and not just by having a poster on the wall or covering it in the first few weeks of school, that mistakes are proof you're trying or proof you're learning, but we need this idea in practice every day. See, we have to show students that through mistakes, they will learn and improve in math, similar to how they do in reading. So, we know that our kids can't read the hardest book in our library on the first day of school, but each day they get a little bit better at reading and they do that by practicing and making a whole lot of mistakes. And let's be real, nobody's freaking out when they read a word wrong, but we see a lot of math anxiety when they don't get a problem correct. So again, we have to give our students this safe way to participate. And one of the other things that we have to do to make math magical and safe and welcoming is make sure that students know that we're going to do real work in math, just like we do real reading. We can't expect our students to be excited and motivated to read boring texts that are not relevant. The same is true with math. We want our classroom culture brimming with excitement and participation of motivated mathematicians. Then we have to do real math that's relevant to their lives. So number three in how we're going to build our math classroom culture mirrored after our literacy cultures is that we need our students to know that they are mathematicians deeply, just like we insist that they see themselves as readers. So as a reading teacher for years, 
I could tell you like which phonics pattern, decoding skill, comprehension skill my students were working on, but I could only tell you the next lesson in the math book. I didn't know my students as mathematicians. I didn't know their strengths and weaknesses. I didn't know who had number sense and place value understanding and who was still developing in it. It's got to change. We've got to do better for our students. We have to start really getting to know our students as mathematicians. And the best way to know your students as, a ma as mathematicians is to deeply know the math yourself. So in order to know how to push your students in the next skill or nudge them along in their problem solving abilities, you have to know that trajectory. So I suggest that you start with your standards and you learn what your students need to know by the end of the year. And then I want you to consider how those standards fit together in a progression and what that might look like in your classroom throughout the year. Look at the standards above your grade and below your grade as well um, and think about which of those standards fit in because you might have students coming in at those lower standards or those higher standards and they too need to be nudged along that trajectory. So once you have a handle on what students will need to learn, you've got to start getting to know what your students know. And you probably have assessments at your school that help you. And that's great. And we all know that the, those assessments all serve a purpose. Um, but my biggest suggestion is that you listen to their thinking. I'll say it again. That you listen to their thinking. Conference with your students. Ask them how they're solving. Take notes. Think about where they are on that continuum of understanding, on that continuum of the, of the standards. Are they approaching a standard, meeting it, exceeding? How do you know? What evidence do you have? Is there a group of students that is approaching the standard that could benefit from those students that are meeting the standard? We have to think about our mathematicians on a math journey. They're not going to learn the learning target after one lesson because the curriculum says we do it in chapter three, lesson two, and then we move on. It's not how learning works. We all know that. So we've got to create a classroom community where students know they are mathematicians and see how they are going to evolve throughout the year. Okay, so that was a lot. <laughs> so as you consider how you will be building your math classroom community this year, I want you to really think about how you're going to find joy with your students in the complexity and challenge of math, how you're going to help your students feel like strong and resilient problem solvers. And I want you to think about the three things we talked about today. Make your math classroom accessible. Create that magical, safe, welcoming place where your students can do real math. 
and get to know your mathematicians deeply. Well, that was the chat for the day, friends. I hope that it filled you up, gave you some ideas to implement tomorrow, and that you felt like you were chatting with your math teacher bestie, because that's what it's all about. If you haven't downloaded my ebook yet, Five Steps to a Student-Centered Math Class, go right now, www.locallearnersandco.com ebook. You'll get five clear steps to engage your students and drive toward real deep math understanding. As always, if you have questions or comments, make sure to let me know. Check out the show notes. And then, of course, subscribe to the podcast because that's what you do with podcasts. Can't wait to talk to you soon. Have a great rest of your day. Peace, friend.